Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. You know, I hear so many people who say things like, I tried it. I tried God. Or so many people who will say, you know, this is what I believe. And I take a little bit from here, and I take a little bit from there, and I take a little bit from over here, and I take a little bit from over there. I take a little bit of this religion, I take a little bit of that religion, I take a little bit of this religion over here. And I syncretize it. And this is what I believe. Because I choose to take this, and I choose to take that, and I choose to take the other. And I am God. That's, is that not essentially what that comes down to? So I take a little bit of this and I take a little bit of that because I'm the one who's in charge. And I want to say, and I want to declare this morning that God has so much more for us than our picking and choosing a little bit from somebody's lunchtime buffet. But rather, God has prepared a place even in the presence of our enemies. And he has prepared a table and is preparing a table for us to feast at. And this is what is required. It is required not that we say, I tried a little bit of this and I tried a little bit of that and I decided that I would pick and choose a little bit of that and a little bit of this. But what is required that we would seek God with all of our hearts. And let me declare this morning, and this includes myself, that there are very few of us who have sought God with all of our hearts. Would you agree with me? And that is why we come into the place of saying, I will decide to take a bit of this and a bit of that and a bit of the other. And God says to us, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for you to seek me with all of your heart. I'm still waiting for you to stop Picking a little bit from the lunchtime buffet. And I'm waiting for you to seek me with all of your heart so that you can receive from me just a little bit of the feast that you will enjoy for eternity. And we can only know it in part. 1 Corinthians 13. But what we know in part, one day when perfection comes, then we will know it in full. Even as we are fully known by Him. And so church, may it be for God's sake and for our sake 
And for the sake of people who need to know Jesus, that we keep seeking him with all of our hearts. And we keep seeking him with all of our being, for then he will truly be known. And we will not be caught up and controlled by the spirit of this age. Amen? Praise Jesus. Wow. May this just be the beginning of so much more. Amen? Amen. Of what he wants, not of what we manufacture, but of what he wants. Praise his name. Have, the, have all the students gone downstairs yet? Because I hope you have. If, if <laughs> to go to Alpha, maybe maybe Pastor Wayne already released them. God's love. We've sung, we've sung about God's love, and I'm gonna. I, I I don't think I don't think I need to keep you long today. I to necessarily preach everything that I've prepared, but I. We're going to talk about God's love today because we're talking about family. We're talking about family matters. And all of our family matters are within the context of the family of God and God's love for us being reflected in our relationships with each other as families. And we're going to talk about love today and about working at love. And the reason we're going to talk about working at love is because love requires a lot of work. Amen? And in order for us to understand God's love, and in order for us to, to live out God's love with others, requires for us to be fully engaged. And that takes some effort. It takes some effort to surrender, and then it also takes us some effort to do what it is God has called us to do. And love has to do with affection, whether it is sweet young love or the, the wonder of a new parent with a baby, a warm embrace or a kiss or a cuddle or whatever it might be. Love has to do with affection. Love has to do with our attitude as we respond to the love of the great lover. And that attitude is an attitude of wanting the very best for the ones that we love. Whether that means generosity, whether that means protection, whether that means discipline at times, whether that means sacrifice, which is often what's required of love and an evidence of love. And love has to do with action, which is the carrying out of those attitudes that have, have, have become our attitudes that have come from God. I'll tell you a crazy story from the 13th century. King Frederick II of the Holy Roman Empire, in the 1200s, he had a test that was carried out on babies. It's, it's said that this, this took place. He was fascinated with the origins of language, and so he wanted to know as he was seeking God, he wanted to know what was the original language that people spoke. What language did Adam and Eve speak? 
interesting question. So what he did, something that would, would not be allowed in our society today, what he did was he gave a group of babies over to the care of nurses who were given strict instructions on how to raise them. And this is what they were told. They were ordered that they were not to interact at all with these children except what was necessary. In other words, they could feed the children, they could bathe the children, they could change the children as needed, but nothing more. They weren't allowed to speak to the children, to cuddle the children, to coo the children, to play with the children, to make funny noises with the children like, like you would with babies, like I would with babies. Under no circumstances were they to give those children anything except what, what was needed in the way of food and in the way of, of, of cleanliness. Because he was waiting to discover, as these children got a little bit older, what language they would speak. Isn't that nuts? But you understand back in that day, things had not developed the way they have today, and he really thought... As the story goes, he really thought that, that we would find out what language they, they spoke. But sadly, the experiment never came to its completion because, as you might imagine, you know what happened to the children, to the babies, is they died. And in 1248, an Italian historian recorded, they could not live... He used the word without, without petting. It was the word he used. But they could not live without touch. In other words, they couldn't live without love. They literally died for lack of touch, lack of contact, lack of love. We were created with love. So that the one who created us he created us from love. He created us with love. It was with love that he created so that he said, this is very good when he created Adam in his own image. We are God's workmanship. Like when a child comes home with a beautiful piece of art. You ever had a, had a, had a child come home with that absolutely perfect, beautiful piece of art? They said, whoa, is this, this is for me. Like that child who comes with that love, with that beautiful piece of art, or, or that ribbon, or that metal. Or as they get older, they come home with that piece of woodworking, or that, that work from the shop. And as, as my son did not long, not long ago, and said, Dad, look what I made in, in shop class. Look, look what I made in, in class today. Or look at the table that I made in woodworking. We were created for love. We were created to be loved. We were created to receive love. Just like those babies were. In three weeks, we have a guest speaker coming. And I, I strongly encourage you to come in three weeks. Nick Cardasis is coming. And Nick, uh, Nick was a pastor. Nick was a, a missionary in Portugal. And, and Nick is also a, now a, a Christian counselor. And it's from Nick that... Nick lives and breathes that we were created for love. And he's actually going to come and talk about family and mental health. Uh, in... in uh, did I say three weeks? In three weeks. And then we were created to love. Jesus said, love, uh, 
the golden rule in Luke chapter 6. Do to others as you would want to be done to you. And John 15, love one another as I have loved you. And that's why worship and love are, are lifelong endeavors of learning, are they not? This morning we're going to go, um, I, I, I hope briefly, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, it's often called the love lang- or the love chapter, but I want to put it in context because 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the context, it comes out of chapter 12 and about spiritual gifts in the church. And really the point, when Paul comes to this, Paul, the Apostle Paul who wrote this, who wrote this letter to the church in Corinth, he was saying it doesn't matter what gifts you have. I mean, it does. But let's put it this way. Regardless of what gifts that you have, regardless of what spiritual abilities you have, regardless of what power, what insight, what understanding you have, if it does not come from love, it's just a lot of noise. Would you agree with that? If it doesn't come from from a heart of love and from a place of love, it's just a lot of noise. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, a few verses, verses 4 to 8, just the first verse of, uh, sentence of, chapter, of verse 8. Love is patient. That means love is long-suffering. Love does not give up. I have a little story for each one of these. I'm not sure that I'll get to all of them, but I want to tell you a tragic story that I I remember from from nine years ago of a Florida mother who had a, I think it was her three-month-old child, and she was playing Farmville. Anybody remember Farmville? Because I'm not on Facebook, but... Maybe I shouldn't admit that publicly, but Farmville was a game on Facebook. And she was caught up in building her farm, which is, you know, totally innocuous and fine, and that's, that's, it's good fun. But unfortunately, as her baby cried, she got so frustrated. I can, I, I can appreciate, I mean, I, I can relate. There are times when I've been interrupted, and boy, boy, it just bugs you, right? But unfortunately, she picked up her baby and she shook her baby. And then she set her baby down and she smoked a cigarette to try to calm down her nerves. And then the baby kept crying and she picked up the baby again and shook the baby until she shook the baby to death. And I think it's the only really sad illustration I have, but What a tragedy when we lose patience. Love is patient, and God has displayed that to us. Love is kind. Love is generous, and it is benevolent. So when we have a benevolent fund, and when we think of benevolent fund, when I think of benevolent fund, it means we we take and we use resources and money that you have generously given and that we as, as, as a church have received And we use that to help people who are in need. That is kindness. That's benevolence. Love is, that's kind. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. 
It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor. It isn't self-seeking and it isn't easily angered. I see those as, as, as three couplets. It doesn't envy and it doesn't boast. Love is not jealous. It doesn't get jealous when a loved one succeeds. I have a friend. His name is Mike. His kids are grown. And after his kids grew up and and they've left the house, they've gone to college and so on, his wife then took up a career. And she has... eclipsed uh, his career. In fact, she has become so much more successful at hers than he has. That sort of thing actually breaks marriages. You know that? When people become competitive because, because one wants to have the greater success than the other. But the last time that I was together with him, he just bragged on her and all of the great things that she's doing in her work. She's traveling the world and she's doing all, all kinds of wonderful things and shining the light of Jesus as she does that. Love does not envy. Love does not dishonor others. Love is not easily angered. It's not provoked. It's not irritated. Those are all very similar. Love does not boast. That means about boasting about ourselves in a prideful kind of way. We don't monopolize conversation, insist on getting attention. Love isn't selfish, in other words. It's not proud, it's not puffed up, it's not like the peacock, the male peacock, when all the feathers go out, right? Say, look at me. (laughs) It's not arrogant, it's not self-seeking. As I said earlier, it's not about looking out for for this number one, it's about looking up for for that number one. And there there was a movement that I have that I really appreciate, which was I am second, which says it's not about me being first, no matter what society tells us. It's okay to be humble. Isn't it? It's okay to be humble. Here is a... Here's a little saying here about about, about all of these things. You read that sentence, and if you put emphasis on a different word each time you read the sentence, you say an entirely different thing. So let me demonstrate. I didn't say you were terrible. So, hey, it's not me. I didn't say you were terrible. In fact, I'm, so I'm defending myself. I didn't say, I didn't say you were terrible. Huh? A little innuendo there. I didn't say you were terrible. Something very different. I didn't say you were terrible. But I didn't say you were terrible. We could talk about today. Or I didn't say you were terrible. Just maybe not so good. In other words, the point of this is that love is careful what it says and how it says it. And whether that is a parent to a child, a spouse to a spouse, a sibling to a sibling, a child to a parent, may we guard from love what we say and how we say it. You know what, I have, I have over the years as a pastor, um, 
some of the most challenging conversations have been go to people have been to go to people to say, you know, what you said was was I agree with it, but the way that you said it absolutely destroyed any effort for you to get across a, a good point. You ever had that happen? When it gets completely destroyed because a, a good message could have been communicated to a loved one, but it was said in the wrong way. And, it was lo- and the opportunity was lost. Not to say that the opportunity can't be regained from an apology and genuine apology and forgiveness, but may we be very careful what we say and how we say it. Love keeps no record of wrongs. May I brag on my wife? Of course I may. <laughs> so not too many years after we were married, I, I used to golf a lot. So uh, if you want to have a really great round of golf, competitive round of golf, please don't ask me because I don't play competitively anymore. But I used to golf a lot. And, and even early on in our marriage, I went out on the sly. Uh, and I bought myself a set of metal woods. And you know what? If I were to tell Tarina that today, she probably wouldn't even remember it. Because she does not keep a record of wrongs. That does not give me permission to take advantage of that, right? Of her grace. But it is an incredible witness to me. Especially when I did something similar years later. Uh, and, and on a much greater scale, not having learned my lesson the first time, when we lived in British Columbia, I was so... British Columbia is very, very beautiful. And, and in February and in March and in January, I golfed because the grass was still green. And so after we arrived in BC and we were getting settled... There was a golf course not far away. It was one of the longest golf courses in, in the valley, and I really wanted to golf there. And so on the sly, I got a membership there. May I say the word idiot in public? No, I'll say idiotic. How's that? The membership, anyway, is a good bit more expensive than, than the woods were. Again, I would probably have to remind Tarina for her to remember, and my point is that she has been an incredible example to me of not keeping a record of wrongs. You know how destructive that can be when we keep reminding? Remember that? Remember that kid? Remember when you did that when you were a little kid? Or you remember that spouse? You remember when you did that? That's how we need to learn what it is to truly forgive and to truly move on together. And I am very happy to say that I have, I do not recall ever doing anything like that since. So I, th- I learned my lesson. Praise the Lord. Love does not delight in evil at the misfortune of others, but rather it rejoices with the truth. We don't, fo- we don't, we don't focus or, or derive joy from somebody else's misfortune, but rather in love, we rejoice with what is true and we celebrate and we congratulate. 
And so I want to commend the Ferbers. I want to commend Pastor, Pastor James for the seminar. There was a seminar here recently for parents and students on the use of electronics and addiction to help so that when we don't delight in evil, but we, we rejoice in truth, that all also includes sometimes needing to say the difficult things and, and, and to allow for discipline at times. We need to set boundaries in our homes, do we not? As, as difficult it, as it has become, and, and as difficult as it seems that it is now to enact discipline, we, we need to set boundaries. And people so often, years later, will say thank you for the boundaries that were set. I want to thank Pastor Wayne and Dale for a ministry that constantly encourages. They do not delight in evil, but if they've ever visited you, you know that they just delight in encouragement. And I, want, I, I, want to, I want to give a shout out to Chris, um, our, our administrative and, and business administrator and office administrator, who greets by phone and greets in person. And, and he's just always positive and upbeat. Do you notice that about Chris? He's not here today, um, but he's being positive with other people today. Love always protects. And I'm not going to tell the story, but I was going to tell the story of, of the Ten Boom family. And you can look it up and how they, they saved the lives of about 800 Jews in the Second World War by hiding them in their home. It's an incredible story, an incredible story. My mom is here today, and, and I know that that was a story that really, really spoke to her over the years. Love always trusts. Love believes in. When we live out love, we will become trusted. As a leader, you know, what's so... There are no... There are no more meaningful words to me as a leader than when somebody says to me, I trust you. I don't, think, I don't think there are many words, many phrases that are more meaningful to me that when I become a leader in a place, I am given trust, but then I need to earn, to, I need to maintain that trust. Amen? And that's what relationships are like. That's true at every level of relationship, that we can be trustworthy because of love. Love always hopes and it always perseveres. Love always hopes. I like to watch talent shows. And America's Got Talent had the most incredible, incredible, incredible story of a young autistic blind man. He's 22 years old. Anybody see that? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. His family always hoped and always encouraged that young man. If you haven't seen it, you look up Cody Lee, K-O-D-I, Cody Lee. You look up, the, you look up his, his performance. Autistic and blind. 22-year-old man. Unbelievable when you see what God has birthed in that young man. Unbelievable. It's just incredible. Moved, moved us to tears. And love always perseveres. I want to invite the, uh, the servers to come to sit as for communion, I want to invite the musicians to come and just tell you a little story about, and this is a hard story, about how love always perseveres. It was the first time that a young woman came to me, came to my office, it was a number of years ago, and she sat down, she was just in tears. And she said, she said, Randall, what do I do? I caught my husband I caught my husband viewing pornography online. 
Now, people are really fearful and afraid about talking about that sort of thing. Let's just cut to the chase and let's not be afraid to talk about that, okay? And she's a beautiful, she was a beautiful young woman. She was not only beautiful, she was very intelligent, she was successful, they had great kids. And so we had a conversation about why does he do that? Why am I not enough for him? Long story short, there are many people, there are many, there are many women who have left men because of that. And they would say, you know, that's just, you've committed adultery in your heart. There are many women who have left men because all it took was once to say, I can't believe you did that. You told me you've never, ever done that before in your life. And the lie might come out, well, it was the first time. But the long story short, with this, with this uh, beautiful young woman of God who ended up becoming chair of the board of the church, was that she forgave him and, the, and, and, and her husband, who was a very nominal Christian at the time. I have, I've been back to BC a number of times and this is where it was. And, and he is a passionate follower of Jesus now. Isn't that an incredibly wonderful story of God's restoration because somebody sought God with all of his heart and understood God's persevering love, and that persevering love flowed through his wife and, and, and made their marriage stronger than it had ever been because when they were honest with each other, then they actually set up and created some boundaries in their relationship. Isn't that awesome? We're going to come to the table today uh, before a God who perseveres with a never-ending, reckless love for us. Um, somebody, once, somebody once said to me, I, I, I don't like that song about reckless love because God is not reckless. God is completely trustworthy. And I get that. I understand that. And I, but, but the person was far, far too uptight. <laughs> about the word Reckless. Because I believe God's, I believe God's love is reckless. If you don't believe that God, the fact that God, that God loves you, and loves me, and and has entrusted to us His gospel and His good news, are you serious? Us? That's pretty reckless, don't you think? <laughs> yes, it is. And you know, I mean, if you don't like that as, as, as an adjective, that's fine. That's, that's totally okay. But I see God's love and his investment in us as being strategically reckless. So maybe we just put an adverb in front of the adjective. How's that? And we call it strategically reckless. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.